0: Chapter Fourteen of The Wife of the Secretary of State. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nolafidian. The Wife of the Secretary of State, by Ella Middleton Tybalt. Chapter Fourteen. The Honorable Cecil Lindhurst signed his name at the end of the page and breathed a sigh of satisfaction. The Metropolitan Club was comparatively empty, save for a few faithful landmarks who could always be relied upon to be present at that time in the afternoon, and he glanced carelessly around, returning a casual nod or two, before picking up the many closely written sheets and reading over them carefully. My dear Bobby, do you remember Egypt in our tour of duty there? Do you remember that fat old rascal of a Khedive with his unctuous voice and oily smile? I have not thought of it all for years until quite lately, but it is uppermost in my mind just now, so I naturally feel inclined to write to you. After all, barring a few mishaps, it was a jolly enough old time to look back upon. Do you remember the frantic excitement which prevailed when the jewels were lost and our suspicions that they had been sold? Well, Bobby, the Khedive's opals are here in Washington. I myself have seen them. What is more, they are the property of the wife of the Secretary of State, the first minister of the cabinet. Don't ask me how she got them. I don't know. But I do know that she wears them regally, and they suit her much better than they did that corpulent old heathen who sported them the first time I saw them. No, I am not mistaken. They are the real thing. The question is, how came they here? Naturally, one cannot express surprise at the jewels one's hostess elects to wear, but Bobby, how did it all happen? mrs redmond is a stunning-looking woman very much to the manner born i dined there last night and she wore the opals again i hope i did not stare unduly but i felt as though my eyes would bulge out of my head the khedive's opals think of it and she wore them as calmly as though they were a string of glass beads Do you remember that unfinished sketch in watercolors of a girl's head coming out of the clouds that we found among poor Bertie Hertford's things in Berlin, and which I kept because I liked it? It was called Star of the World, I believe. Somehow I always think of that when I see Mrs. Redman. Bobby. she is a woman who dominates you, fascinates you, interests you, even without the Khedive's opals. With them... Well, you can imagine the combination. The diplomatic kettle is boiling hard, and I sometimes fear it may splash over and burn somebody's fingers. The Ruschuk affair, of course, is at the bottom of the trouble. Dupre is here, garrulous and inquisitive as of old, and Russia has sent Valdmir on special duty. Further comment on that score is unnecessary our chief has assigned to me the very unwelcome task of following up the roost matter and getting all possible information concerning it to be embodied in a report to the home office you know him and his methods i do not like them and may ask to be recalled i have had word from the paris secret service that that old fox colonel Sinjin, has been traced to america and have pulled the wires on this side to track him to his covert. You know I never saw him but once, and yet I think I would recognize him anywhere. Well, not long ago, as I was going out to dinner one night, I thought I saw him. I gave chase, of course, but lost him in an alley, got bogged in some deserted garden, and was unpardonably late for dinner, in consequence." Sometimes I feel half inclined to drop the whole thing, but then I think of Bertie, poor old chap, with that nasty hole in his temple, the first Hertford to besmirch the name, and of Evelyn. One does not like to see youth hope and happiness snatched from one's twin sister at a single fell swoop, and when I think of Evie's eyes and lips, when she first heard the truth about the man she loved, why, then, I am determined Colonel St. John and his daughter shall reap what they have sown, if it takes every pound I have in the world to bring it about. Except for diplomacy, my chosen career, I should be enjoying myself immensely. I think I like America and Americans on the whole. They wear well. Get a detail, Bobby, and come over. Chuck Berlin and the stolid lines and... Try the states with their goddesses of liberty. You will find the change inspiring. Come over, old man, and after a while we will get a leave and steal away to the rocky mountains and the prairies of the far west after big game. I like this country and want to explore it further. Come and help me. Lindhurst. P.S. I am sending you under separate cover the sketch of Star of the World. Please try and find out if it is a fancy head, and, if not, the name of the model. Bobby, I am haunted by those opals. L. Lyndhurst addressed an envelope to Lord Robert Tresillian, Embassy of Great Britain, Berlin, and stamped it with great care. Then he strolled to the window and was enthusiastically greeted by Monsieur de Pre, who occupied a chair commanding an unobstructed view of the street. The Metropolitan Club stands on a corner of an important thoroughfare, and is admirably situated for the edification of window-gazers. "'Sit down,' said the little Frenchman cordially. "'Sit down. I can make room. It is really entertaining, is it not?' "'What?' inquired Lyndhurst idly. "'To see the women run for the street-cars,' returned the other with a chuckle. How droll they look, to be sure, and how vexed they are, when just as they think they have arrived they discover they have not. Lyndhurst laughed, but declined the chair. They hear the car approaching around the corner, resumed Monsieur Dupre, with evident enjoyment of his theme. Then they clutch their skirts tight in the back with one hand and scuttle. It is to them the last car in the world, and they strive nobly, if vainly, for it when it passes them they look up and down the street with a vacant smile as though to say i wonder if any one saw me now my dear madame he continued apostrophizing a stout female strenuously endeavoring to reach the corner in time believe me it is useless as well as most ungraceful women and cows should never run ah i would i were an artist the Englishman laughed again as the stout lady looked furtively about with the vapid smile described by his companion, while the car sped on without her. Do you really mean to say, Dupre? he inquired curiously, that you sit for hours in that window just for this? Why not? returned the little attache dryly. It is amusing, N'Ca. It is also harmless, which many amusements are not then why not indulge oneself also i have made a discovery three women out of five are what is it you say pigeon-toed when they run it is not so with little girls a point for a student of femininity to elucidate miss barlow makes her debut this afternoon do you attend no perhaps you are wise she is a plain little girl with a poor complexion and there are, is usually more apollinaris than champagne in the punch they serve but monsieur Dupré found himself declaiming to space for lyndhurst had caught a glimpse of a brown velvet gown and a coil of red-gold hair in the drugstore opposite and lost no time in following it we are going to do something very hazardous as soon as mrs redmond can decide on the proper quantity of orris in her sachet "'announced Miss Bird as he greeted them "'with genuine surprise and counterfeit surprise. "'Perhaps, if you are very good, we will take you with us. "'I am a stranger in a strange land,' he returned solemnly. "'I do not wish to do anything very desperate "'at the outset of my career.' "'Mrs. Redmond turned from the counter and took up her muff. "'I think you will be entirely safe, Mr. Lyndhurst, "'she remarked cordially.' "'Miss Byrd is going to take me to a haunted house quite near. "'The ghost is very genuine, of course, and very terrible. "'I shall be glad of your protection.' "'It is the Octagon House,' explained Isabel, "'as they turned into 18th Street. "'Perhaps you have already been there.' "'But Lyndhurst replied absently, "'as he looked about him with some curiosity. "'Is this the place?' he inquired with very evident surprise, as they paused before the old house. Surely, he checked himself abruptly and followed his guide up the white stone steps. "'Does your blood curdle in your veins?' demanded the girl as she opened the door and entered the circular hall. "'See, it is not even locked. No one would ever take refuge in the octagon house at night.' "'Is it quite empty?' inquired lyndhurst after a moment's silence is it used for no purpose whatever can you not see that it is a deserted house replied isabel quickly i believe there is a janitor or caretaker but one never meets him what do you think of it estelle mrs redmond glanced about it is charming she exclaimed looking at the curved stairway with the broad window on the landing and the quaint old stoves on each side of the hall. Tell us its history, Isabel. And Isabel told them, leading the way from room to room until she came to the dining-room, which bore traces of recent occupancy, for cigar ashes lay on the single-deal table, and a scrap of paper covered with figures had fallen to the floor. See, she said, pointing to the table, how incongruous it looks, THE CARETAKER LIVES ON THE TOP FLOOR. I SUPPOSE HE USES THIS ROOM SOMETIMES. THERE ARE SECRET DOORS EVERY HERE AND THERE. I USED TO KNOW HOW TO OPEN SOME OF THEM. SHE PRESSED A PANEL IN THE WALL BESIDE HER, AND A DOOR SLOWLY SWUNG OPEN, LEADING INTO A SMALL, TRIANGULAR SPACE, WITH A LARGE WINDOW LOOKING OUT ON 18TH STREET. THERE IS ALSO A DOOR GOING INTO THE HALL, SHE CONTINUED opening it as she spoke, and leading the way out. Very few people know of these passages. See, here is another. It is possible to go from the hall to the attic and no one would be any the wiser. Lyndhurst had lingered in the space of the dining-room. He was gazing as though fascinated at the frame of the window, where the wood was splintered until it was rough and uneven, and had a rusty nail in the floor. At last he carefully untangled several long strands of hair from the former. They were red-gold in color, and glittered in the rays of the setting sun. Stooping hastily, he removed something from the nail. It was a strip of pale blue gauze. The Honorable Cecil folded it carefully and put it in his card case. Then he joined the ladies on the landing, where they stood looking through the broad window, into the weedy old garden with its neglected brick wall and muddy walks. Back of the garden, Isabel was saying, is an alley, which runs through from F Street to New York Avenue, supplemented Mrs. Richmond. Why, Estelle, how do you know so much about it? One would think you had been here before. I have never been in the house, Isabel, but I know the neighborhood. As to the alley, it is a natural supposition that it leads from one street to another. Is it not, Mr. Lyndhurst? Quite correct in this case, Mrs. Redmond, he returned, watching Isabel closely. I know, for I had occasion to go down it one stormy night not too long ago, and about halfway through the wall is broken, leaving quite a gap in the garden. One might easily crawl through if one did not mind the mud on the other side mrs redmond moved suddenly come she said quickly we are wasting time it is getting late and i really must look in on the barlows this afternoon take us upstairs isabel and let us see all we can and isabel led the way her head held very erect and a scarlet spot glowing on each cheek up on the top floor the caretaker sat stupidly on the side of the couch and rubbed his eyes drowsily Colonel St. John had become a very busy man of late. He must perform the duties of watchman at the State Department and maintain his establishment in Jackson City, as well as do certain necessary drafting work, and he found this multiplicity of duties irksome. The sound of voices below did not surprise him, as the old house was frequently visited before nightfall and he knew he was secure from interruption in his remote room. He heard the visitor's pause in the upper hall, and a man's voice comment on the ingenious plan of the interior. You must see the basement, Mr. Lyndhurst, said a woman's voice. I think, but what she thought did not interest Colonel St. John. He sat stolidly upon his cot and put his hand to his head, as though endeavouring to recall something. Lyndhurst. The name seemed suggestive. Suddenly an ashen pallor overspread his face, and his weak lips trembled uncontrollably. The fear of the hunted shone in his eyes, and his fingers twitched nervously. Colonel St. John had remembered. Voices and footsteps retreated and finally became inaudible, although he listened for them with strained attention. It seemed to him hours that he sat motionless upon the unsteady cot, although it was in reality but a few moments before he rose and stole noiselessly into the hall. His impulse was for instant flight, and he wished to assure himself that the coast was clear. So he crept quietly to the banisters, and looked over them, looked down the winding stairway, past the window on the landing into the hall below. He also looked directly into Mrs. Redmond's blue eyes as she stood waiting for her companions and admiring the symmetrical curves of the stairway as it wound its way to the third floor. Beads of cold perspiration appeared on Colonel St. John's forehead, running in chilly little rivers down his neck as he clutched the banisters and stared as though fascinated into the eyes raised to his in which the first candid surprise was gradually replaced by a shadow of puzzled uncertainty, fast changing into incredulous horror. Summoning all his resolution to his assistance, the old man detached himself from the banisters and stumbled to his room. God in heaven! he exclaimed, as he again sank down on his couch. This country is no place for me. Isabel and her companion. Returning from exploring the basement, found Mrs. Redmond on the outside steps, white-lipped and pallid. What is it? said the girl quickly. What is it, Estelle? I think, replied Mrs. Redman, with a strange little laugh. I think, Isabel, I have seen the ghost. End of Chapter Fourteen